You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Glad I didn't pay 300 bucks to get in the building tonight, huh? I was looking at it last minute. I did the SMY Baseball Night New York show as I do Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. on SMY. And I was looking to potentially go to the Garden. You know, because like everybody else, we talked about it last night, the last couple of nights. I was excited and caught up in the moment and thinking, Kaner's debut, Garden's going to be lit, going to be an electrifying atmosphere out there. And I was watching the phone, checking the phone, and trying to figure out if the tickets were going to drop. And usually I don't do that. I mean, you have the advantage if you're in the city and you could go, if you're really dedicated, you go to the game regardless and you say, all right, well, whatever the price is right before puck drop, I'm going to get it and go in. I didn't have that. I mean, I was in the city, but I don't want to take the subway up there and do all that. So I was looking, looking, looking. It was ridiculous. Standing room only, obstructed view only. The best seat I saw was like, the lowest I got was like 275 or something like that. And I was like, you know what? I am not paying... 275 bucks to go see Rangers Senators regular season otherwise meaningless game for nearly 300 bucks when I could spend that on round one or round two as a matter of fact of the postseason as I did a year ago and I'm glad I didn't because it was a disappointment and look and we'll get to plenty of baseball stuff and the football stuff Daniel Jones and his agent really starting to annoy me I know it's maybe not Daniel Jones What's going on? There's a moth in here. How does a moth get in here? Who brought that thing in here? Probably Evan. Uh, Anyway, it's flying around my face. It's kind of distracting. Um, We'll get to the baseball and football. Daniel Jones, and I know it's on him. Is his agent asking for more than $45 million a year? Yeah, okay. (laughs) I mean, come on. Giants are going to have some tough decisions to make here in the coming days, and hopefully they can work out a long-term deal with Daniel Jones and maybe keep Barkley on the franchise tag. But anyway, and, and Rodgers and the darkness and all that stuff. So we got the football, baseball. We got five hours to play with as we're going to 5 a.m. But with the debut of Patrick Kane, it was a, a massive letdown. Now, the crowd was great, and there was good energy in the beginning, and Kreider's breakaway goal. It's a bad loss. Can't lose to the centers. However, look at the circumstance that the Rangers are dealing with. Number one, Kane is not going to be the be-all, end-all savior. I mean, he's going to help the team, of course, once he gets going. But it's not just going to be, okay, flip the switch, put him out there, and all of a sudden he's going to go score you know, three goals or whatever it is in his, in his debut. Yeah, that'd be great if you wrote the story up like that. It doesn't work like that. And you saw last night that there is gonna, it's going to take time for the line to gel. It's, you don't just throw new guys out there and expect it to be clicking right away, even if he was line mates with Panarin before in Chicago. Now, that's years ago now. And not only that, it's a new team a different line, new building, new atmosphere, different coach. 
And the biggest impact that it had, and it was a negative from Kane's perspective last night, was the power play. You heard Glant talk about it. They were trying to do, they're trying to be too nice. You can see it. Everybody wants, you don't want to be selfish. You don't want to become known as that selfish guy. Oh, yeah, who's this guy I think he is, Kane? He comes in, he's not He's uh, not passing the puck. All he does is shoot. Puck hog. The rain, and it wasn't just him. And the teammates also trying to get him involved. Too many passes on the power play. Too many passes in general. Because too many guys trying to be too nice and selfless. And that was a problem. You knew once the Rangers didn't score on the five-minute major, it was going to be a problem. Because that's an automatic for them. At least one. That's an automatic. So once that happened, and the power play obviously throughout the course of the night struggled, and it's a direct result of Patrick King coming in and is new to this line. So it's going to take some time to gel. Plus, they're shorthanded. No Lindgren. No Keandre Miller because of the suspension. So the Rangers are up against it to begin with being shorthanded. And then you throw a new guy into the mix. This is kind of a restart to a certain extent. And it's a good thing that they have some wiggle room in the Eastern Conference. They're not in danger of missing the postseason. they got to secure their spot, and they'll be a third seed uh, in that Metro division and, and likely face the Devils. And nobody's worried about that. And even you know the game coming up Saturday against Boston, it's not going to be something that fans should overreact to one way or another. Right now, this team's got to get themselves playing together, and it's going to take time for them to gel. The cohesiveness is the thing you want to see the rest of the way in the regular season. How they gel, how they start to come together, is their cohesion on their lines, specifically power play one. That's what you want. And that was not there last night. And, you know, look, Halak, obviously Halak's been pretty good here, and you're not going to play Shesterkin back-to-back days so you're also judging a game with a back a backup goaltender. You can't do that. It's one loss. It happens. No big deal. But it is a major disappointment when you factor in the excitement surrounding Kane and surrounding the Garden and the Rangers. Even if he didn't do anything in the particular game last night, it would have been nice to see the Rangers get a win against a team that they are clearly better than. And, of course, Broussard, our old friend, um, uh, does his thing and comes up with a big game against his former team with a couple of big goals as you know he is a guy that you you hate to see be, I mean look you loved him as a ranger and it was a great trade Broussard and you know for Mika Zibanejad it turned into an absolute stub but Broussard of course coming back to hurt the uh, hurt the rangers in this spot anyway not a good night at the world's most famous arena rangers lose one no big deal but a disappointment with Patrick Kane We will get into the baseball stuff along the way as there was a couple of different things to take from spring training yesterday, whether it is the positives with the Yankees and Anthony Volpe. And uh, why don't don't we just put him in Monument Park already? Where Volpe is talked about, oh, he's got it. Willie Randolph saying he's got it. He's got that it factor. And everybody talking about the hype and all that stuff. Um... Comparing him to Derek Jeter, I mean, come on. I think we need to dial it back a little bit with Anthony Volpe already. You know, Jason Dominguez is Mickey Mantle. Anthony Volpe is Derek Jeter now. Uh, Let's see them come up here and contribute before we start going out. Anyway, the Volpe stuff, and really I didn't get into it yesterday because we did all Patrick Kane and the Rangers yesterday, 
which is why just off the top I wanted to mention that. But we didn't get into any of the baseball with the Yankees lineup from yesterday where Aaron Boone had Hicks in there and Donaldson batting fifth. IKF was in there. Uh, an opening day lineup that would make Yankee fans crazy. And with the Mets, there was some news, and I thought this was very interesting. This, to me, is a juicy sports debate, and it's been a one for a while with the six-man rotation. And, you know, the idea the Athletic had the report that the Mets are going to be using a six-man rotation at some point. It's not a full-fledged six-man rotation, but they will go to the six-man rotation at times during the season to give their older starters a rest. And... Initially, you know, the thought is, I hate it because you have a team that's built with the rotation. You want to have the max amount of starts as you can from Verlander, from Scherzer, from Kodai Senga. But when you think about it, they're not going to do it the whole season. And if they do it in certain stretches where it's going to give guys a little bit of a breather, then maybe it benefits them long term. It keeps them fresher, keeps them healthier. And you also know that if there's any rotation in baseball that should and could go with the six-man rotation, it's the Mets. Because the two guys atop the rotation, we know about you know the 40-year-old and all that stuff. Kodai Senga is coming from Japan where he's used to a six-man rotation. Oh, and by the way, the Mets have Tyler McGill and David Peterson that can be six or seven starters assuming health in that rotation. Obviously, health is a big assumption. Usually, these things work themselves out. But even if they did have somebody on the shelf, they still have enough to be able to go to a six-man rotation. But I thought that that was an interesting uh, concept or or thought where you know they're looking over the analytics, the Mets and their analytical department, mapping out the schedule and going over all the different games. And you then see... You know, where they're going to try to insert a six man rotation. You know, Buck's got this thing mapped out basically through October. You just don't know if he's, is he assuming wild card or is he looking at the divisional round right out of the gate? But it's nice to see them planning ahead and being smart about things. Like I said, initial thought is what the hell are you doing, six man rotation? You're paying guys. And by the way, this is why you shouldn't pay guys. Or pay the rotation, the starting rotation, as much as the Mets did. Because you're talking about investing in that rotation. It's their strength. $80 million between the top two guys in the rotation. Clearly, they're a team that's built with their starting pitching. And yet, we all know how fragile starting pitching can be. To a point where they are going to take their biggest investments and limit their appearances, as opposed to trying to get every little ounce they can out of them. Now, they're doing it for a couple of different reasons, but still, that's why, I mean, the point is that's why you'd build the team on the lineup instead or prefer to have that everyday lineup with a little more power than the Mets have right now in their lineup. That's what we talked about after last year because remember last year with the Mets, they were a team that was built to win with their pitching and However they got there, they got to the final weekend or or final important series of the year with their starting pitching intact, lined up the exact way that they wanted to to go out there and clinch the NL East. And they got beat. And then again, they had a second life. They got beat again in the wildcard round with that same starting pitching that they were built to win with. So 
Why then, as we talked about in the offseason, okay, well, that just happened. You had everything lined up the way that you wanted to and you still got beat. Why continue to build in that rotation without having maybe a little more of a balance? And I think they're a good team and a balanced team to a certain extent, but clearly their strength is starting pitching when it should be the lineup. The better teams, the more consistent teams, the teams that kind of limit the risk are built better in the lineup. Figure out the pitching as you go. Have a, a workhorse or have an ace if you can at the top, but figure the rest of it out as you go. Make sure you have that lineup to go out there and rake. That's how the Yankees have done it. Now, obviously, the Yankees have added that rotation is legit this year, one of the best in Major League Baseball. But the Yankees do it with a lineup that wins in the regular season all the time. The Mets don't have that. Their lineup is thin. And if one guy goes out, they're screwed. One of the key guys. So they're built on their rotation, and they even themselves realize that they may need to go to a six-man rotation to keep guys healthy, keep guys fresh, and maybe get the most out of an aging Scherzer, an aging Verlander, and Kodai Senga, who came over from Japan used to the six-man rotation. Anyway, so we started with the Rangers with Patrick Kane and his debut, which fell flat in front of the Garden Faithful. We got into a little baseball. Whatever it is that's on your mind really on this Friday, everything's up for grabs. I'll get into the football a little bit later on. Mets, Yanks, spring training, and all the thoughts from that as we get closer and closer. What are we now, like 28 days, something like that? You don't get caught up in the numbers this early on, but there's a lot of positives from both sides. And, you know, there's hope going into the year, and there's going to be positives coming from spring training. You just hope to stay healthy and get through that. Uh, the WBC nonsense, we could uh, get into that as well with Edwin Diaz. So there's a lot to get to baseball-wise. We didn't, you know, we did a lot on the Knicks last night as we opened the show with them. They have a big game again. Every game for them is going to be a big one down the stretch. Big game tonight, taking on the Heat. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. The New York Mets, for the first time in 15 years, are champions of the National League. When New York sports happens... Talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Sal Licata back on the Fan, 877-337-6666. Thank God it's Friday. Cannot wait to go home and enjoy the weekend. It is going to be, uh, you know, another interesting weekend as far as the spring goes, watching some of these young guys in action, seeing what they can continue to do as far as the baseball goes. I know people have been uh, all about the young prospects in spring training, whether it's Ronnie Mauricio, Volpe, as we mentioned before, Brett Beatty, 
You're going to get a chance to see Francisco Alvarez catch a little bit. So baseball will be here before you know it. You heard the promo before 27 days away till opening day. And I don't know about you, but the WBC is driving me nuts. And I know it's, you know, not every year. Uh, and I know that players love to participate in the WBC. I It's just something that I never cared about and never will care about. Now, that doesn't mean that if it's on, I wouldn't watch it and, you know, see Piazza and Team Italy with Matt Harvey, whatever, you check it out. Uh, I'm sure it could be interesting. You love baseball, you like watching a game, and the players are very passionate about it, as we said. But I care about the local baseball teams, or I care about Major League Baseball more so than I do the WBC. Like, do you think I care if the United States or Italy or whoever wins? No, I don't. It doesn't mean anything to me. But I care about the, you know, obviously the Mets and Yankees, but whatever, the Blue Jays or Red Sox or Braves, you care about the results of those teams because that's what we grew up watching and caring about. So you have a an exhibition tournament that has star players from all these Major League Baseball teams that are paying these guys millions of dollars to play for their team. You have them playing in this exhibition tournament where they are risking injury. And then Puerto Rico, Team Puerto Rico's got the goal to ask the Mets to let Edwin Diaz pitch on back-to-back days. Dude, are you kidding me? Like, that shouldn't even be a thing. Now, Diaz said no. I don't know if he said it on his own, or the Mets said no way. He said no, not early on. But let's say that Team Puerto Rico, and I don't know how many rounds there are or how this thing works, Let's say they make it late in the spring or, or late in March. They make it into the you know final rounds or whatever it is. The later that they go into March, Diaz said he'd be willing to pitch on back-to-back days. Think about that. Edwin Diaz, back-to-back days in an exhibition tournament. Mets just signed him to a huge contract in the offseason. He's their closer. God forbid something happens and the Mets season goes up in flames before it gets going because Edwin Diaz is pitching on back-to-back days in early March for Team Puerto Rico. Think about that. It just doesn't add up. Baseball's got to figure something out for the WBC. And what I would recommend is just getting amateur players. And you could say, well, nobody's going to care about it. Then that's not true. Team People who care about baseball that represents their country would care about it. Have minor leaguers do it. That's it. Very simple. Stop using the major league guys that are, you know, making a ton of money and that are expected to go out there and perform for the team that's paying them. Baseball's got to come up with a rule because the teams are in a bad spot too. Let's use the Mets as an example because they have a lot of guys that want to participate in it. If you have Edwin Diaz going to Buck Showalter or Steve Cohen saying, hey, I really want to pitch for Team Puerto Rico, what do you think they're going to say? No. And then risk ruining that relationship? Ticket Edwin Diaz off? So okay, you know, go play. You know that they don't want to. Buck Showalter would be happy if Edwin Diaz never threw a pitch for anybody other than the Mets this year. But they really don't have a choice. So Major League Baseball should not put teams in a bad spot. They should make the choice and not allow Major League, current Major League players to participate in it. Take the guys from the minors. No, whatever, collegiate players, I don't care. I don't even know the rules for the thing, but just don't take major leaguers. And people that get into it will be people that care about how their country performs at baseball. More so than Major League Baseball. But I hated that. 
I hate that idea. And it happens every time the stupid WBC. Nobody wants to see Nestor Cortez pitching it. If you're a Yankee fan, you want him to be healthy pitching for the Yankees. Kodai Singh had turned down the opportunity because he felt it was important to be with the Mets, as he should. I wish all players felt that way. No, they get out of spring training. They go participate in the WBC. Maybe they're not. their bodies aren't ready to be playing at that intense level just yet. anything could happen. Again, you you hope that nobody gets hurt, and obviously you could get hurt in spring too, but it's different if you get hurt in spring for the team that's paying you. It should not be allowed. It's horrible. 877-337-6666. Chris is calling from Manhattan. Good morning, Chris. Hey, Sal. Good morning. I'll talk to Matt, but you're really onto something with the um, WBC because, you know, it's very early in the season too. Like, it is disconcerting that, and you'd think that, like, you know, potentially people might be more injury prone because like, there's a lot of pride in those games where there aren't the same level in early spring training games. I hear you. Yeah, it's, it's a little weird. I remember years ago, this is going back many years ago because I couldn't yeah. even tell you the last time the WBC took place. I don't watch it, but I do remember I was working, I think, at MLB.com at the time, so I was watching, and I remember. Eric Hosmer yeah. sliding into second base, like as fired up as I'd ever seen him before, or, or just maybe right. it just caught me off guard because he was so fired up in that moment. And I'm thinking this is an exhibition, but these dudes really care about this. He wasn't the only one, obviously everybody, you know, there's a lot of players that yeah. participate in this thing that take it seriously and are passionate about it. So you don't want to prevent the players from doing something that they feel good about, but at the same time, like, it doesn't matter. What matters is yeah. Major League Baseball's regular season. And especially with the investment on a lot of these players, you know, with the salary. Right. So, hey, on the, uh, you're right, Sal. I'm with you. On the Mets, um, one quick thing on the Mets, I wanted to talk about the Rule King thing, if you have a minute. You know, I think what's going to be interesting is to see the lineup. And like you've spoken about, we've talked about, I think the key's going to be who's going to be batting behind Alonzo. And I was wondering your take on that. But I was thinking... Maybe Marte is the best choice, and you move McNeil up to two or three, and then you because I who is more equipped? I know they had McNeil down there last year, and he's a high average hitter, but maybe Marte is the most feared, consistent power threat behind Alonzo. What do you think? Correct, but couple things with that. Number one, Buck Showalter uh, last year was known that Marte wanted to hit uh, second in the order. He felt comfortable right. hitting up there in the order, right? And he just wanted to be left alone. Okay, I'll play right, but leave me alone. I like consistency. So I don't know if that's a Marte thing or if Buck has to have a revisit with him and say, hey, look, we need you to bat fifth this year. I don't know if that's the case, if Marte wants to hit fifth. But yes, if you look at that lineup on paper, Starling Marte projects the way the Mets currently are constructed. He projects as their best five-hole hitter. I do not believe that's going to be the case. And the other thing is I do feel like McNeil lengthens out their lineup as the sixth-hole hitter. I don't like him fifth. I like him sixth, but they're clearly missing a five hitter. So if you move McNeil up and you put Marte five, yes, it's a very strong one through five, but then it falls off significantly after that, where if you have McNeil sixth, it does not fall off significantly. Right, because, again, Vogelbach hasn't proven that he can be that threat, right? No, Vogelbach is not that, and he's not a power hitter. I mean, Vogelbach looks like a power hitter. He's not a power hitter. (laughs) You're right. So do you hear anything about, so the thing with these shifts now, where they have to have the players on the dirt, right? They can't yeah. be on the outro grass. Right. Did you hear anything about some of the distance 
Meaning the width of the dirt is different in different ballparks. Have you heard that? I have not. Not like it's deeper? I have not. Yeah, I read something about that. I'm, I'm, if anyone knows, it's Bud Walter. I'm sure he's got stats on all what ballparks have slightly deeper infield. I guess he knows if you heard anything about that, but we'll see how it all plays out. I'm what sure, do you think of the non-shift? I'm sure he would know. I have not heard that. I just assumed that all the infield dimensions were the same, but I guess it's possible that they're not. I like the uh, the new rules, Chris, and thank you for the call. We appreciate you checking in. I like the new rules with the lack of extreme shift. I don't like the idea that you can move an outfielder to the infield. I mean, I get why you could do that, but I don't like it because you know that teams are going to do that in situations where maybe they normally wouldn't. Oh, wow, I just saw the Rutgers highlights. They got beat at the buzzer? That's a brutal loss. ooh I wonder if Jerry's going to be doing the morning show today. That's going to be a long one for him after off uh, that loss. Um, anyway, I like the lack of shift. I think the number one reason is because I love good defense, and this is going going to bring back good diving plays in the hole. You know, good defense as opposed to balls just being hit right at guys because they're played perfectly defensively. Now, you're still going to see guys shifting to a certain extent. It's just not going to be extreme. Maybe the third baseman plays more in the hole as opposed to down the line, and maybe the shortstop plays closer to the bag for a pull hitter, a lefty pull hitter. But I would think that you're going to have a noticeable difference for the majority of time with the extreme shifts being banned. I'll tell you, I'm intrigued. I'm curious about it. I want to see how it all plays out here. There's an unknown. And spring training is not going to tell you the exact thing. I mean, it's spring training. They're testing stuff out. They're not going hard. It's certainly not at the beginning. So whether it's the pitch clock, which they're trying to work out the kinks on that and get into a rhythm. Some guys are going to use it quicker than others. Some guys will mix it up a little bit. You've heard Scherzer talk about it. You saw Juan Peralta yesterday. Like, There's different ways to manipulate or... or Utilize that pitch clock to your advantage if you're a pitcher. That's one. The bigger bases, the stolen bases, you know, maybe being more of a thing now because of the lack of ability to throw over there all the time to first base. You know, it's not unlimited. And of course, the shift, whether it's just off the bat where the ball is going to go, will it find a hole, you know, whatever, as far as not having the extreme shifts on, but also defensively what it could mean more exciting plays possibly. Frankie's calling from Manhattan. Hi, Frankie. Hey, how's it going, Sal? How are you, Frankie? Everything's well, man. I, I have... You were talking about the WBC, and I'm going to have to disagree with you. I feel like it's great for baseball. Okay. You know, I, I don't... I don't feel like the, the players go extra hard how they would go in the season. You know, they play it like an all-star game. They have fun. They go out there and have fun. I disagree and, with that. They uh, they play that more than they do. Sometimes I've seen players play harder in the WBC than they do in the regular season. I agree with you with the players that are like prospects or amateur players that are playing with, the, with these all-stars. Yes, those players go hard. But not all of them. They, most, the majority of them are just having fun. You know what I mean? No, I don't. I, I'm, I'm confused. So why do you think it's good for baseball? I feel like these, these younger guys that are playing with these all-stars could show off their talent. 
But why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't we want to see them show off their talent for the teams that that are paying them to, to play? I mean, like, do you care about the results of the WBC? Absolutely. Why? Do you care for the results of an Olympic? No, thing? I no, I don't. I don't. But no, I I know that. But I care about Major League Baseball. The NBA, the NFL, the NHL, sports that I grew up watching and caring about. So I, I, I so mean, you don't, go ahead. So you don't respect no Olympic team for winning the gold for their country. Well, you're putting words in my mouth. Who said I don't respect team? No, you asked me if I care first. I don't care. Oh, pardon me. Do you care? You don't. No, I don't. I don't care. I, it's just not my thing. Okay. The Olympics aren't my thing. Certain events are cool, but no, I don't care about the. Like, ask me if I've ever been bothered by somebody who lost the Olympics, or ever felt great about somebody who won the Olympics? The answer is no. Have I cared about a sporting event that took place, you know, in Major League Baseball or the NHL or the NFL or the NBA? Absolutely. I've lost sleep over it. I've uh, enjoyed myself over great wins. Those are things that I grew up caring about. I, I just don't. The Olympics to me is sometimes cool to watch and unique, and I'll check it out, but do I care about the result? Absolutely not. All right. And, now, and, by, and, and by the way, that's the Olympics. Which, again, I would be more into at times. This is a, an exhibition baseball tournament. So when I ask you, like, what do you value more? The WBC results or the results of Major League Baseball's regular season? Well, I, obviously the MLB, but I do. I enjoy watching the WBC. I really do. And I feel like a lot of people do, too. Maybe. Yeah, that's fine. But my, my argument was not to try to take away from the WBC. My argument is that... They shouldn't have Major League Baseball players who are getting paid by their teams participating in it. Like, why can't you just right. enjoy it? You, Couldn't you enjoy it with minor leaguers or with collegiate players or whoever they could figure it out without using guys who are getting paid $50 million bucks or $100 million, bucks, whatever it may be, throughout a contract that they could risk injury with playing for a team that is not paying them? Right. Maybe, maybe there's something we don't know. Maybe... Because obviously, if it was that, if it was that serious, I believe maybe the teams wouldn't encourage them to play for their country. You understand what I mean? No. Maybe there's something. Maybe there's something we don't know because you do have a valid point. I do get it. I get it. You do. But why are these teams allowing these players to do it? Well, you know? because what are the Mets supposed to say? No. I mean, there's a there becomes a thing. And look, Frank, I'm not trying to say that. You shouldn't care about the WBC. You're not alone. Other people right. are going to care about the WBC. It's just not for me. But I think that, and, right. and I'll, I'll probably watch it and check it out for uh, you know just to see what's going on. But I'm not again. I'm not going to be invested in. And thank you for the call, Frankie. I'm not going to be invested in it. But that's a different argument than allowing Major League Baseball players to play in it. The the fact that it would even come up that Team Puerto Rico wants Edwin Diaz to pitch on back-to-back days, like, why? You talk about it like it's an all-star game, right? Do you think the all-star game would use Edwin Diaz for a four-out save? Absolutely not. So why would Team Puerto Rico say, oh, we're going to pitch him on back-to-back days? Like, there are certain things, you're lucky you have him there. And it's not even just Diaz. What about Eduardo Escobar? Eduardo Escobar is the New York Mets starting third baseman. A team that is one of the odds-on favorites to win a World Series. 
Not saying that they're going to. Not saying that I would pick them to win. I'm just saying that you look at the odds. The Mets are one of the favorites to be contending for the World Series. Escobar is a starting third baseman for this world potentially World Series team. He is going to be playing left field for Venezuela in the WBC. Why? And you don't think that there's risk there for an older player, a guy who hasn't played in the outfield in years? He's only played, what, 45 games or something like that in his career in the outfield? Now, at least he's played there, but that's years ago. So why would the Mets allow Venezuela to move Eduardo Escobar to play left field? The reason is he probably went to them and said, I really want to go play and be a part of this, and I'll play the outfield, no big deal. But what if he gets hurt? And I know most people are saying, well, they got Beatty. I want to see Beatty anyway. Forget that. That's not the point. What if anybody gets hurt? Or in any way, shape, or form impacts their potential performance for the team that is paying them for the games that really matter. Then what? Some exhibition tournament is going to cost your team a chance? I just... It just does not make sense to me. I get why baseball is trying to do it. They want to grow the game. They like this tournament. I'm sure money is a big factor. The players themselves do enjoy it, so that's a part of it. But what do the players care? Their money's guaranteed. If Diaz or Escobar or Alonzo, whoever, you know, if Pete Alonzo gets hurt in the WBC, his contract's guaranteed. He's getting paid. So the players are, they're just looking at it as a fun game, a different, you know, a little different feel, a more energized, more passionate version of spring training. Represent your country. Cool honor, right? That's why I think a lot of guys like it. I I look at it as I am invested in the team that I grew up rooting for. That's the team that I care about. That's their job. Their job is to go play for the team that's paying them, not to go play in an exhibition tournament. We're known for being polite, so we give you a chance to talk too. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Oh, got it back on the fan. We're known for being polite. Get lost, you idiot! (laughs) I mean, my God, think about that. Now, I mean, he caught me in a, 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 a bad day. That's the wrong day to be. Today is the wrong day to be bringing up that stuff about a jinx. But think about that for a second. And I know that sports fans believe or are very superstitious and believe in the jinx and all those different things. But come on. You really think that I had something to do with the Mets losing the division? Which, by the way, they lost on a tiebreaker. Come on now. Come back to me. And if you don't call with respect, you're not going to get respect back. Simple as that. Eight seven, and I was just thinking yesterday too. I was like, "Wow, I haven't yelled at anybody in a while. It's been pretty good." Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Russell is calling from West Iceland. What's up, Russell? Hey, Sal. Hi, Russell. Um, I just want to defend the name Russ because I thought that was one of the most ridiculous things ever, and I don't even want my name associated with that. You shouldn't, because, dude. Like, there's no way that you caused that. 
do you know how many people have like those same opinions and stuff? So, but it's your fault. No, but here's the thing, Russell. Obviously, we know those of us that are sane. We know that nothing anybody says or does outside of the two teams playing in a game or, or, you know, playing on the field throughout the course of the year have an impact on it, right? Nothing you or I could say, nothing anybody during the day or anything anybody could say has an impact on it. And I get, like, joking around about it. I've heard the jokes. I've had enough with it. Like, we're, we're long over it now. And that guy seemed to actually be serious and annoyed that I jinxed the Mets. And like, yes, it, he seems like yeah. like literally mad at you. And it's like, geez, <laughs> I mean, if, I, if, if, if I put like, you know, like, like, you know, the same underwear on every time they play and they, they win, like that, that doesn't have any impact right. in the game. Thank That's you. Silly. Thank you. You're exactly right. I mean, it is, it's ridiculous. The idea that somebody would even think that, and you are right. Look, there are people that were mad. But I mean, I, I don't get what you know why because people are looking for somebody or something to blame instead of blaming the Mets. Millions, yeah. there, there are millions of people in the world who have opinions, right? And like, why? Why is it? It's your instead of it, now, it, instead of being entertained. I, he should be thankful. He should be down on his knees thanking me for the entertainment I provided throughout the course of the season with that statement. Because of that opinion, I gave people a reason to care. They cared, whether it was to make fun of me, whether it was to cheer with me and root for me, whatever it may be. They cared for months because of what I said. He should be thankful I gave him the entertainment, and instead well, he's looking to blame me for the jinx. I mean, just, just you know give what? me a break. On behalf of Russell, I want you to know <laughs> that it's not the name because I do thank you for your entertainment. Thank you, you Russell. You stay up too late sometimes and, and wait, you know, that's not really good, but right. you are so entertaining. Well, and, I appreciate um, that. Thank you so, for acknowledging. So here, can I can I ask my sports question? Absolutely, go ahead. Okay, so the the Jets have this this thing with Rogers and Carr. Rogers can give them and and they say two years to have the best chance to win a championship, but they're gonna have to give up a bunch of draft stuff, right? Um. But Derek Carr, they can get for almost nothing and then use their draft stuff to get it. So does, does Aaron Rodgers, number one, have more than two years? Or or is it just too, he's just too flaky? And would you be feel safer with Derek Carr? No, like, what I, do you think about that? I want Rodgers. And, Russell, thank you for your support. I appreciate you taking the time to call, and I appreciate you staying up late or later than you should and listening. Appreciate that very much. So thank you for that. I've been saying all along I want Rodgers. I think Rodgers is the only guy for the Jets. I don't like Carr. Now, if they end up with Carr, I mean, I'll try to get behind it, and hopefully they can make the postseason and have an entertaining year. But I think it's all about Aaron Rodgers. And I would look at Rodgers in a two-year window to start. Maybe beyond that, he would play another year, third year. I don't know. I mean, we don't know what Rodgers is going to do right now, so it's impossible to predict beyond a two-year window. And look, even the second year may be tough to predict. Rodgers, to me, and everybody wants to rush him. You know, there's another situation where Rodgers is getting misunderstood here. It's his decision. Not mine, not yours, his. He wants to make the right decision. He even said it the other day. This is not a decision that I take lightly or want to rush. I want to make the right decision here. 
So he's going to take his time, and I don't care how he does it, darkness, light, whatever he needs to do, hallucinogens, whatever he needs to do, make the decision. And I do get the feeling Rodgers is coming back. I don't think he's a guy that sounds like he's ready to retire. To me, just reading between the lines, it does not sound like a quarterback who wants to retire. So when he goes back to the Packers and says, okay, I want to play, what are we going to do? And I think the Packers are then going to say, well, we're going to trade you. And then Rodgers is going to have to look at the teams that are possibilities, and hopefully they can work something out. But if I'm the Jets, I wait. I think Rodgers is worth the wait. And I know what you're saying, you have to give up draft picks, and you don't necessarily want to do that, but he's worth the wait. He's that much better than their other options. Antonio's calling from Manhattan. What's up, Antonio? Hey, what's up, man? How's everything going? Man? How are you, Antonio? All right, pretty good, man. Uh, just laughing, man. You're a funny guy, man. Like, <laughs> unbelievable, man. What well, I, do I like now? those rants. Oh. Those rants, man. I love those rants, man. You know what? It's fun. I'm, look, I'm glad you laugh at it, and I know people, I'm sure, find it entertaining when I lose my mind or when anybody loses their mind, but I don't really love it. Like, my mentality coming into today was not, oh, let me go yell at somebody and call them an idiot to make people laugh. I'm glad that you do, but it really got under my skin, and I'm just not in the mood today. It's been a long week. It's been a long day, and that one got me. <laughs> so, that was it. <laughs> exactly. Now, I have two quick questions. I want to talk about the Mets minor league system uh real quick like let me ask you this and this is how i you know if a guy's a hall of fame or not if you need a hit and they tell you keith hernandez don Mattingly, or scott Rowland, i'm gonna give you my pick first i'm gonna give you my pick i picked don Mattingly. i'm a met fan but i still pick don Mattingly. if i need a who who are you pick uh if i needed a homer mattingly if i need a base hit i'd probably go keith Mm-hmm. In no scenario, if I, if I needed somebody to get me a Gatorade out of the fridge, I'd go Scott Rowland. <laughs> I mean, I'm not taking all due respect to the new Hall of Famer. Like, come on. And you're right, but Mattingly and Keith aren't in and Rowland is. There's no way yeah, the Hall of Fame thing is such a – look, I actually think it's a fun debate, especially that time of year. It makes for a fun debate, but there are definitive reasons why you can poke holes in the Hall of Fame and – what your example that you just brought up, that's clearly one of them. Mattingly Hernandez are better players than Scott Rowland. Therefore, Scott Rowland should not be in the Hall of Fame. Exactly. Yeah, I agree 100%. So, yeah, but anyway, so I, I just, uh, I'm calling about the, you know, like the Mets minor leagues. When you think about it, for example, look at what happened with the whole uh, Carlos Correa fiasco that happened. Um, if you look at that situation, right, if that would have happened, that would have meant that, for example, Ronnie. Mauricio, uh, Brett Beatty would not be part of the conversation now. And I think, look, I, I think that probably they, they're going to end, one of them is going to end up in third base because obviously, you know, you have Lindor uh, basically playing shortstop you know, for a long time. But I think like, Ronnie Mauricio, he really looks good, man. Oh, not only that, he really did well in the Dominican this uh, this winter. He uh, he really did a great right. job there. So he's been making a, he's been making a little name for himself in winter ball, putting a, putting his name on the radar, right? Because even though we don't pay attention to winter ball, you hear about the highlights and you hear about. But it's like Triple A. That's right. considered Triple A down in the Dominican, right? But you still so. you heard he was doing well, and then he comes into spring training. Right off a of winter ball, and he's raking, hitting with power. And now Mets fans want to see him 
Right now, Escobar is going to be the third baseman starting the year, barring injury. But Beatty and Mauricio are two guys. If you want them on the Mets in the future, one will be playing third, one will be playing left field. But there is the chance that Mauricio does get traded still. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I think I, I think he projects more like a uh, to me because of his size is big and he's getting thicker. I think he's more like a third baseman. I think uh, I, I think the Mets have a great. Did they have either if, if Beatty works out or Mar- I think they have basically one of those two guys for third base. And also, uh, my final thing is this: see the Mets. You heard a lot of bad things about the Mets minor league system. Uh, Gary was saying I was listening to a, a telecast this this afternoon, and he was saying that the Mets are are basically rated five overall in the in, in the major leagues. Uh, they're the minor league system. Think about that. Right, and people were knocking them. I mean, I don't. Yeah, it it doesn't add up to me. You're right, Antonio. So I mean, they've done a nice job here, kind of replenishing, I guess. But and thank you for the call. But look at the guys that are close to coming up here. Whether it's Mauricio, Beatty, Alvarez. I guess you throw Vientos in there as well. Problem is they're thin on pitching. That's going to be an issue. We welcome in Marco Belletti now. Did you hear me uh, losing on that caller before? I'm sorry. No, I was in the closet. Yeah, I just want—I don't want anybody to go back and listen to it anyway. I told—I um, told Manny not even to post it. But the guy calls and starts going, "Oh, I appreciate your passion for baseball and everything." And you know, last year I think it was around May, you predicted the Mets were going to win the division, and you mm-hmm. jinxed them. And me and a lot of Mets fans are mad at you for jinxing them. And mm-hmm. I called him an idiot because I said it's not a real thing. And he like was talking like it was a real thing, and blaming me for this. So I ask you, Marco, do you believe in jinxes? Um, see, that's a that's a broad scope. Like, yeah, you you may feel like, oh, this kind of jinx. Do I truly, honestly believe that you had something to do with the Mets not winning the division? No. Uh, as much I mean, as I like, would love to put that on you, no. Right. That's what I mean. Like, we know, okay, yes, yeah, sports, but oh, you jinxed it. Oh, the no hitter. But like in reality, this guy was yeah, making it like yeah, no, I'm the I mean, one who took the bet. No, it wasn't Matt Scherzer getting lit yeah. Atlanta or against the Padres or against the division. Yeah. Was it was it Chris Bassett? It right. Wasn't Bassett who couldn't get it out on <laughs> Sunday night baseball? It was me. Yeah, uh-huh. It was me. Little old me yelling here in May, nonetheless. <laughs> but you'd have a better argument. Maybe I'd even agree with you if the Mets fell apart and were done in July. They lost the division on the last day of the year or whatever, around in the last series of the year mm-hmm. on a tiebreak. Like, come on now. I've, but the point is, I've had enough. And as I said before, it's Friday. I'm exhausted. For you. It's a long, It's Friday for me. <laughs> you know, it's Friday for everybody now. But yes, it is my radio Friday. When I am done in four hours here at 5 o'clock, I am done with radio until Sunday night slash Monday morning. Anyway, been a long week. It's a long show. There's not a lot of sports happening. It was not the right time to be calling me the jinx for the reason that the, the so you know don't poke the bear too oh he, he it didn't take much but he poked and prodded and I just let loose and you became the cocaine bear and then you know what happens have you seen that movie by the way I have not is it out yeah is it out yet Manny cocaine bear yeah it is it's on Netflix is it or no uh, I don't think so oh, that's a theater that. right no uh, well um, that's gonna take a while oh what the hell was I gonna say now I just forgot what I was gonna say uh, sorry I didn't mean to distract you with the cocaine bear oh yeah no now I'm thinking because I read but it. I am curious All right. Uh, anyway, he poked the bear, and he got what was coming to him. But I always regret afterward. Like, people are like, oh, it was awesome. You yelled at him. You lost it. And I'm like, oh, God, it's embarrassing. Yelling at him and screaming. I don't mean to do that, but he caught me on a bad day. Don't poke the bear. It doesn't take much. Don't poke the bear, please. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.